Coming up on today's show, Kyle O'Reilly is really weird now. Saray and Zoe Stark stole the show. Ring of Honor introduces Women's Division Wednesday. AEW goes back on the road this summer. And John attempts Backlash 2003 trivia and more on today's 81st episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show. This is the Daily Wrestling News for April 21st, 2021. We are powered by the Eastern Observer. My name is Ryan Joy, and I'm coming to you live from Minster Bell Time Studios on the beautiful treasure coast of the Sunshine State. And I'm joined today by John Smith. John, how are you? Good, man. Very happy to be here as usual. I fell asleep during the show last night, but I was able to catch myself up this morning. So we're good to go. All right, John is sporting the Frog Splash Minutes to Bell Time shirt, so check that out. Boom. And get yours at bodyslamclothes.com. <laughs> you hey, you, you're out. wearing the same one, but we didn't coordinate. No, we didn't. We didn't. He's got the dark heather color, while I am sporting a traditional black. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today's lead story is all about NXT and John. My biggest headline coming out of NXT last night is that NXT has started up a fight, a feud as old as time itself. We are going to be splitting the audience. I don't know if it's down the middle. I don't know how the audience leans, but it's up. Is it, are you a cat person or are you a dog person? That is the main question coming out of NXT last night. I think. Uh, (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) I didn't see this. Wow. Um, I mean, personally, if I had to choose one, I am a dog person, but in this feud, I'm going with Io Shirai. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the situation is Io is having this backstage uh, sit-down interview with Beth Phoenix. A great little little interview segment going back and forth, and then, uh, then Frankie Monet interrupts, and she's like, hey, Io, while you're taking a rest, I'll just sit on top of the women's division for you. I'll take care of it. Io says something in Japanese, and Frankie's like, I don't know what you mean. I, I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> and EO says, I like cats. <laughs> I, I like turtles. That's Darby Allen. <laughs> so then uh, after the show, uh, both went to Twitter and they posted pictures of them with their pets. So uh, have those pictures up on the screen. If you're listening on, on audio, you don't have the benefit of seeing uh, Frankie Monet with her two dogs and uh, Io Shirai with her cat. But if you're watching on video, you get that today. So I, I like this Frankie Monet. I mean, like when she was in, in Impact and she was Ty of Valkyrie, I, I only knew her as like the friend of Rosemary because I only started watching about a year ago. So uh-huh. I didn't see her do any like singles work. I know she was champ there. Like I'm oh, yeah. I'm not dumb to her past. I just didn't see any of it. So like she never it never really added up like her and Rosemary being, you know, friends and whatnot. And it kind of seemed like she was lost over there, but I feel like she's really like picking this character up and and it really suits her. Yeah, you know, I feel like the whole last year at Impact, she was doing the favors, putting people over. Um, she did some good character work when you got to like Wrestle House and things like that. But the you know, the big the big title run she had ended right at the beginning of 2020. 
Um, before that, she was the longest running knockouts champion of all time, just to ask anyone. <laughs> uh, Deanna Peraza might break that, though. She's she's off on them, often, often running for quite a long time. But, but yeah, Tyler Valkyrie, Frankie Monet now. Great. Um, she was also a AAA uh, women's champion. So she has a really good past, really good history. I can't wait for her to get going. And I can't believe it looks like she might start out with Io Shirai. So that might be great. That'd be great. Yeah, it's fine if you start off with a loss of your losses to Io Shirai, right? Yeah, yeah, nobody cares about that. And if you beat her, you're a star today, right? So <laughs> Interference by the dog. <laughs> that is uh, Prince Presley, if you need to know. What's the name of the Prince black Presley. dog? Prince Presley, okay. Yes. Not the King Presley, that's a different guy. So, Can we call him Prince Drip Drip? Uh, we, we can, I don't see why we can't. <laughs> So uh, in the headlines of this this morning's show, though, I also said Kylo Riley's really weird now. He comes out with a fedora and a jean jacket to new music, and his attitude is uh, well. I guess this is what looks what Kylo Riley looks like like when he gets his soul back. Yeah, it seems like a lot of it was forced, and you know, it was written, maybe not even written for him, but written just written and rehearsed. But then the interactions that he had with Cameron Grimes seemed so natural, and I really liked his personality at that point. So it was just like half of it seemed natural and half of it didn't, you know? Yeah, and Grimes does, Grimes does great character work. That's the one thing about him that, you know, he, he just does exceptionally well when he's interacting with, with somebody. So he come, he's out there and he's like, you know, pitching Kyle O'Reilly on all these business ideas. Kyle's like, yeah, that sounds great. And Kyle's like, who's going to be my first opponent? And he can't find him. He can't find him until he puts his sun, magic sunglasses on, and then he sees that it's Cameron Grimes. <laughs> like Roddy Piper in They Live. Yes. <laughs> ah, yes, you are an alien. <laughs> Good reference. Good reference. Um, and then, so, they, yeah, they would main event the show, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Cameron Grimes. O'Reilly got the, the win there. But between, between this uh, opening segment and the main event, Cameron Grimes was in the back talking about NFTs and whatnot with the interviewer. And apparently he got outbid by Ted DiBiase <laughs> on an NFT. Um, and it was after the fact too. Like he had already won the auction and then somebody came in with such a high price and it was the million dollar man. <laughs> I think we're going to have a legitimate feud between Cameron Grimes and Ted DiBiase on the show. I think he's coming TBS is going to come back and do a couple of appearances. I, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, he's got to. And then if Ted DBS or Ted DBS Jr. was smart, he would try to ride those coattails into a contract with NXT. Yeah, yeah. I think he's exited the business uh, entirely, but um, oh, but I, agree. I, I think so. But you know, this is a good time to come back. <laughs> yeah, just ask the other Ted. Um, but. But honestly, the uh, the match that stole the show last night, though, Saray and Zoe Stark, and and you called it earlier. I know I asked you uh, last night on the Essential Wrestling Podcast who Saray would defeat on her opening contest, and you said Aaliyah, and then you said Zoe Stark, and I I kind of pushed it off and said Zoe Stark. She's in the middle of this thing with Mercedes Martinez. They're pushing her. It's not time for her to take an L. Why was I wrong? Yeah, I mean, the, the Aaliyah thing would have been good if they just wanted to do a three-minute, like, 
you know, sh- show her repertoire of moves and that's it. But this was a better way to showcase her actual like wrestling style and how she could go in like a nice 12 minute match. So I, I like, I like the decision to put them together. I think it was a great decision because at the end of the match, both Saray and Zoe Stark looked super strong, right? Like Zoe Stark lost this match, but she didn't, her stock didn't fall at all to me. You know, she, she looked great out there and I'm, I'm actually really interested to see how she does pair up with somebody like Mercedes Martinez or Raquel bigger wrestlers with big power moves and stuff that she was doing and the striking and stuff. So, um, I think she was sleeping on the indies. I can't believe that nobody was, you know, NXT obviously got her, but I'm not sure if there was a ton of interest elsewhere in her. I never saw her on Dynam- or, uh, Dark or anything like that. So uh, just championship wrestling from uh, from Hollywood and stuff like that. So glad she's there now. So uh, Kushida, he begins his open challenge, and he's answered by Oni Lorcan, former NXT Tag Team Champion Oni Lorcan. Um, and that's how Kushida gets his first defense. Yeah, it was it's Oni Borkin, actually. You're right, you're right. <laughs> I I didn't see this one coming though. I I always forget that Oni Lorkin is on is a two oh five guy. And and yeah, even when I do happen to watch two oh five and see him, I'm just like I brush it off like, oh, they must have needed somebody that day. Like <clears throat> he can go with these with these cruiserweights though. I like him. Yes. He is and I mean he's a brawler, um, which is interesting in that division, right? Usually you have a lot of you do get strikes, like because she does. Because she does a striker, but um, you know that's not the type of style that you you look for. But Oni Lurkin's a, kind of a utility guy. When the pandemic struck, he was on Raw, he was on SmackDown, he was on NXT, he was he was working on all the shows. So, yeah, um, you know he might be falling back into that role a little bit while Danny Burch is on the sidelines. So we shall see. Um, speaking of which, no Pete Dunn on the show last night. So the uh, he did a promo the week before. Nobody's taking him up on the best technical wrestler uh, mantra. But that's another guy that's under 205, well under 205. So Yeah, I don't know if I want to bring him down there, though. Like, I think he's beyond the, that cruiserweight division. Not I think to put Kashida down or anything, but, I mean, I think Pete Dunne's above him. I think he is, too, but I'll always go for Kushida done match i think that's fine yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> yep. um killian dane and drake maverick they came out during imperium's match with everize um imperium did beat everize but at least we uh we know where killian dane stands now he is not he did not uh get beaten up and then join imperium he is uh he is fighting against them at pierce yeah, for now, I, I I feel like they don't really know what where they're going with this angle yet. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait and see. I, I got really no predictions for how this one's gonna end up. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's it's one of those things. You're right. It could go any any number of ways. They could beat him down into submission, and then he joins, or they could just beat him down. <laughs> um, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. We're given a title shot, apparently, by Mr. Regal. It was not announced when it will be, but apparently Indy, ta- Indy spoke to William Regal while Candice was getting beat up by the tag team champions. And uh, there's going to be a tag match at some point. So, um, Meanwhile, the way is also busy with Bronson Reed. Next week, Austin Theory will be facing Bronson Reed. And if 
Bronson Reed defeats Austin Theory, which he has done in the past, he'll be getting a North American Championship opportunity. So, John, it would stand to reason that if Austin Theory wins, he should get a championship match too. I agree, but I don't think we're going to have to cross that bridge. I think Bronson Reed's going to handle him. Maybe a squash. I don't know. They they've been giving Theory some good time in the ring, though. They don't they don't usually have him get squashed. Um, I don't see Bronson Reed winning the title though after he wins this match. I think this is just filler until the next takeover, where I, hopefully Loomis finally wins that that North American title. You know, you know that's the question I put out after watching NXT on social last night: is, is Dexter Loomis the next North American champion? He took an L last night to LA Knight, um, but he's still wrapped up in the Indy Hartwell thing, the little romance angle that's going on there. So he's infiltrating the way um, still. And it just seems like he's going to be wrapped up with Johnny until he gets that North American championship match and probably takes the belt. But what would Johnny Gargano do after that, you think? It's a good question. Maybe go after the tag belts with Theory, or maybe there's some sort of split in the way. I I feel like the way should go for a while before they split, though. We don't need them splitting up that soon. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'd like to see them, you know, at least go after the tag titles, maybe not win them. I guess it's worth noting that also um, Kyle O'Reilly, before the match with Cameron Grimes, he came face-to-face with Karrion Cross. So it looks like in terms of the title picture, we may go Kyle versus Karrion Cross in an upcoming match. So it doesn't look like Johnny will move there immediately, but depends on timing and stuff. Yeah, if you thought Adam Cole handed him a beating and wait till Karrion Cross gets his hands on him. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a 40-minute match, to be honest with you. Not, so, not unless Cross wants it to be. Right. <laughs> um, also next week, Dakota Kai will face Mercedes Martinez. Um, and this is all about Mercedes wanting that championship match against Raquel and Dakota saying, you know, she wants to go to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, too, but we don't always get <laughs> That was a great line. Uh, I was I was rolling for that. So, um, Also, Grizzly Young Veterans got a win over uh, Brizongo last night. They were dressed as the Queen's Guard, so Wade Barrett was very happy about that. And then next week, we have coming out of that Kushida. So we didn't mention it, but when Kushida had that open challenge and Oni Lorcan answered it, after the victory, Legato felt Del Fantasma attacks him, and MSK makes the save. So next week on NXT, we have a six-man tag: Kushida and MSK versus Legato Del Fantasma. Um, how do you, I mean? Do you think Santos Escobar is going to continue to going after that cruiserweight championship? I thought he was moving on. I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to have him like I. I figured they had tied a bow on him in that division, and now he's. You know, taking revenge for losing. I guess you know, it's personal because the title got taken off of him. Maybe that's the way he's looking at it. Maybe he's not even going after him to get that title back. Maybe he's just trying to hurt him. You know. Yeah, and the other side of that is Kushida. Well, he got a he got a clean win over Santos Escobar. It was a clean win, but Escobar didn't know the opponent, so it's kind of like you know, it's tainted a little bit. So maybe Kushida comes back and gets a, gets a win here to like solidify it. Yeah. It was also a roll up too. It wasn't like a definitive, you know, finish one, two, three kind of thing. No hoverboard lock for the win. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, 
that's the lead story, I think. NXT. Anything else from NXT you think we need to chew on? Uh, no. I, I just have one more thought about Loomis. Just the fact that, like, he, we always say that there's some guys that don't need titles because they're so over. But I think that, and I think that's the case with him, generally speaking. But because he's been in this program with Johnny for so long, I think he finally needs to take that title off of Johnny to to put an end to what what's been going on between them. You know, you know, the Undertaker is the classic case, right, of the person who doesn't need a title because he was so over. And you know, Undertaker historically had very short reigns, so that that could be what they do with Loomis. You know, he's the guy who takes it off Johnny just to lose it to whoever the next guy is, like. In whatever manner. Yeah, right? it's, a, it's a good comparison too. I've heard the. I think Al made the comparison once that Loomis is kind of like the new Undertaker. You know, he's that you know mysterious, you know gimmick, gimmicky kind of person. But like you know, thirty years later, so it's not so cheesy like the Undertaker was. You know. Yeah. Well, and Undertaker was more supernatural, sort of like the Fiend or whatever. Um, Loomis is stalkery, menacing. Yeah makes your skin crawl type of in the same way that I guess the Undertaker made your skin crawl. So, so. Well, he'll yeah and, and eventually when he's a heel he'll do some stellar work I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. He'll have to he'll have to stalk some uh baby face female probably and that'll put him right there. So uh today's history lesson. In 2002, this day in 2002, Hulk Hogan won his final WWE championship when he defeated Triple H at Backlash 2002. That was a trivia question recently. I'm not sure who got the benefit of that trivia, but was it you? I don't believe so. I think it was Travis. Yeah. yeah. You know what? It was yesterday. <laughs> You're right. It was Travis yesterday. So, And then in 2007... William Regal defeated CM Punk in the finals of the WWE King of the Ring. So King Regal was born this day in 2007. So there you have it. Okay, we have a couple of news stories before we get to trivia. So we'll get into that right News is brought to you by the Body Slam Brigade newsletter. There are 4,100 subscribers to the Body Slam Brigade. You can join now and get this quick-to-read email each week on Friday. It comes out separated by company, so you can kind of skim the ones you're interested in or the ones you need to catch up on. Get all your news in one spot, bodyslambrigade.com to sign up. Okay. So, John, a bunch of uh, little interesting news notes here. Uh, I'll start with the Ring of Honor news that we mentioned last night on the Essential Wrestling Podcast because it broke right about that time. Women's Division Wednesday is something Ring of Honor is bringing to YouTube each week. They're going to have a women's match. Um, this is ahead of the tournament that they announced for this summer. John, right now, um, Ring of Honor basically doesn't have a women's division. They have three talent on, on that I'm aware of that are on contract. And one of them is more of a uh, backstage personality role that she also wrestles. So the, the doors are wide open for any person that you've seen in, in wrestling on the Indies or in AEW Dark or Elevation or recently released from WWE. 
all these people could end up here on this Wednesday night show on YouTube and then on the tournament this summer. So um, it's been a while yeah. since we have this tournament. If I were them, I'd be pretty choosy though, because I think a lot, the, like a lot of these women, are going to be itching to be, you know, the the beginners of this division, and I think that they're going to have their pick of the litter. So I don't, I don't think they should just sign anybody that's, you know, had a contract with WWE or AEW previously. You know, they should really, you know, yep. figure out what they want to do with that division before they just sign anybody. There's some good talent up there in Baltimore where they're where they're headquartered out of that they can they can pull in. So I hope that they they think about that too. That they're pretty well unknown, I think. So, um, but there's a lot out there, so they should have no no issues. Um, in, on the subject of women's wrestling, wow, that's the name of the brand, Women of Wrestling. <laughs> they. Uh, they had a, a you know a TV series, a couple seasons on Access, and then when the pandemic struck, they didn't get their their final season or their next season out. But they're hoping to hold tapings and commence distribution this fall. That's what they've uh, mentioned to the press recently. So hope to see them back. Um, and then Travis and I didn't talk about King Mo returning to MLW tonight, but MLW advertised King Mo um, for tonight. I'll be seeing King Mo this Saturday. Uh, CCW Unleashed, as Nelio and I discussed on uh, on Monday's episode down here in Florida. So uh, King Mo, back on MLW tonight. And then Drew McIntyre's book, A Chosen Destiny, My Story, comes out next week, May 4th. I pre-ordered my copy, so hopefully I'll be, uh, be reading that soon. I didn't even know he was putting out a book. Yeah, yeah, Chosen Destiny, My Story. Uh, I guess it's, uh, it's a memoir, so... You know, I think I think there's some really interesting stuff. You know, he he, he covered it down on in the Broken Skull sessions when he was on there, but I'm I'm really interested to hear about you know his memoir from that time when he got cut from WWE and what he did on the indies over in the UK and how he started making noise. So, yeah, he was uh, he was he's a good story. He was supposed to be the you know the, the chosen one that that was actually his gimmick. He was Vince's chosen one. What twelve. 13 years ago and it just didn't work out, you know? Yep. Yeah. So I'm, I, so I am looking forward to uh, sitting down and, and reading that. Um, and John, you mentioned this on the opening cold open, Jim Ross on his latest podcast said that AEW could return to touring doing live events uh, this summer. He actually said would, um, and he mentioned July and, uh, now, AEW hasn't confirmed it or anything like that, but, you know, Jim Ross could have been speaking out of turn, but that's what he must be hearing. Otherwise, why would he have said it? So, um, I feel like I, I, a couple months ago I read something about um, they rescheduled the show that was supposed to be at Newark last year, the Blood and Guts show. Yep. I think it's scheduled for September up here in Newark, New yep. Jersey. So, um you know, All that goes along the lines of what Jim Ross is saying. You know, they might work their way up the East Coast and end up there in September, you know? Yep. Yep. All those shows, the Rochester show, the Newark show, the Boston show, I think even the Milwaukee show, all all rescheduled to the fall time frame. So if they do pull the trigger and start touring as early as July, it's going to be new cities that get announced for those early shows. So... All good. I hope they do. I, I'm looking forward to all these companies touring again. I think that'll be. I mean, I'm I'm happy to have them down here in Florida, but I'm I'm looking forward to uh, 
the aspect of a live crowd. I think that makes a big difference in the presentation. I agree. Monday Night Raw did one point or one million nine hundred seven thousand viewers. Now that's down one hundred nineteen thousand from last week, but that last week was the post WrestleMania show, which is always expected to be the biggest one of the biggest uh, ratings for Raw all year. It was still the third largest of the year so far. So it only trailed Legends Night on January fourth and Raw from WrestleMania after WrestleMania last week. So a good number for Raw. And they were up 4% from this episode last year, uh, which would have been a Performance Center episode. So all good um, in the ratings picture there. Hopefully we continue to see a good trend in ratings for wrestling because when wrestling is popular, this podcast will be more popular. So there you go. Um, continuing on ratings, the a and &E Steve Austin biography actually brought in over a million viewers for the first airing on uh, Sunday night. So most wanted treasures did seven hundred sixty thousand. So I don't know anything about A and E's typical ratings on Sunday night, but I've got to imagine this is a big win for them. So yeah. And then John Kenny Dykstra, Kenny Don Ken Don from the Spirit Squad announced his retirement. When I started at thirteen, I thought I'd retire at 14, 40. But smart investments over time have allowed me to be done now. I'm in my prime. That will go towards my family and being a father. Thanks to the fans who stuck by me. That's what he wrote on Twitter. So, hey, that's incredible. He gets to retire early. So, Yeah, good for him. But uh, I don't really remember him. So I just remember somebody screaming, Kenny, from the middle of the ring. But it was... You know, Dolph is the only one that may ever made, made anything of himself from that. And that was also the time of wrestling that kind of got me out of wrestling for a little while. I was like, what the hell is this? You know? Yeah, well, in, you know, in our house, we only, we only recognize one male cheerleader as the top male cheerleader, cheerleader in the world. And that's Phil Dunphy from Modern Family. So <laughs> I'll have to agree with that one. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a top five television show character of all time. Yeah, he's great. Love it. Where I'm, I'm rewatching it again now. So. <laughs> all right. So, John, Backlash 2000. Did I say three? I might have meant four. I you said three, but I don't care either way. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll probably go like three for five on this one, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. It's the Backlash after. WrestleMania 20. So I think that's right. 2004. All right, this should be interesting. A couple of legend questions in the mix here today, but we're going to give you five questions. Simple majority correct gets you a W. If you win, you get the Goldberg Oscar Award. If you lose, you get the Hawkins. Backlash 2004. Shelton Benjamin got a win over this legend in the opening contest. Was it A? Rick Flair, B, Shawn Michaels, C, Terry Funk, or D, Cactus Jack? Rick Flair. It was Rick Flair. Shelton Benjamin owns a victory over Rick Flair. Chris Jericho got a win over this intergender tag team in the third match on the card. Was it A, Sable and Mark Miro, B, Goldust and Luna Vachon, C, Christian and Trish Stratus, or D, Matt Hardy and Lita? 
That's a tough one. Uh, it's the, between the last two. I mean, it's tough. The first two are obviously not it. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Matt and Lita. Oh, it was it was Christian and Trish Stratus coming off the WrestleMania uh, 20 program where Christian and, and Jericho had the bet. And, uh, well, anyway, Trish turned on Jericho at 20. So there you go. So one for two, going into your third question. Randy Orton got a win over this legend. Big surprise. Legend Killer gets a win over a legend. In the fifth match, it was a it was an ch- Intercontinental Championship match. Was his opponent Ricky Steamboat, Cactus Jack, Hulk Hogan, or Virgil? It was Ricky Steamboat, Cactus Jack, who and Virgil? Hulk Hogan. Uh, Ricky Steamboat. Cactus Jack. It was a hardcore match for the Intercontinental Championship, in fact. Really? He was When you said Cactus Jack, wasn't he Mick Foley in that match? He, or he was Cactus Jack? Cactus Jack, yep. Oh, that's why I thought it was like a trick question. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> You weren't even getting fooled for a second that it might have been Virgil, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In the event's only tag team encounter, not a tag team title match, this super duo got a victory over La Resistance. Was it A, the Bushwhackers, B, the Rock and Sock Connection, C, Hurricane and Rosie, or D, Hurricane and Mighty Molly? Hurricane and Rosie. It was Hurricane and Rosie. So two for four. This is a must-win situation in the uh, in the final question. Um, the main of oh, you know what? Before we get to that final question, let's put up the scoreboard so we can see how badly you need this. So you're gonna you're the first one to go into the 15 range, and you were one behind John DeCani uh, coming out of the Actually, you're tied with El Caro and one behind John DeCani, who is leading the month. This includes our WrestleMania episodes. Travis has a weird number there because on his WrestleMania episode, I only had one question. I forgot to do trivia. So, so there you go. So the main event was a triple threat match between Chris Benoit and these two wrestlers. Benoit won to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Who were the two wrestlers he beat? The choices are Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. Triple H and Shawn Michaels, Eddie Guerrero and Shawn Michaels, or Rey Mysterio and Triple H? Was it just a straight-up rematch from WrestleMania 20? Uh, I'll go with Triple H and Rey Mysterio. Oh, it was a straight-up rematch from WrestleMania 20. Triple H was drafted to SmackDown and drafted back to Raw and blah, 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 a bunch of them in the meantime. But uh, I believe it was General Manager Bischoff who made it a triple threat after Triple H had flip-flopped brands a couple of times. So I'm sorry, but that means you get... The Hawkins today. Two for five. Um... But good sport. You were on the right track there. You knew you knew who it should have been, and you went the other way. So I quit. <laughs> well, as John and I sit here and uh, we wear our our 
Frog Splash t-shirts. I do want to tell everybody about our featured shirt this month. It is the Bell Time Club shirt. Uh, it is 22 bucks. That includes shipping in all sizes. It's the soft style shirt. It's an awesome design. Bodyslamclothes.com. Wear that proudly as a supporter of this show and ministabelltime.com. Great, great shirt. Also, every Friday, listen to the or watch the Primetime Rundown. Join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Friday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports. The show, again, kicks off at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And as you can see, you can watch it on Facebook, YouTube, listen to it on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. It's everywhere you want to watch or listen. That same goes for the Essential Wrestling Podcast, which we had last night. It was a booming 50th episode last night. We went over two hours talking about all the highlights and updates in the world of wrestling. And that show will be back this Tuesday for episode 51. Al Carr will be back in the hosting position. John Smith will be there. I'll be there. John Nakani and Gary Mahaffey for another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. And then this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show, we're here every day, Monday through Thursday. This week we'll be here on Friday as I interview CCW Cruiserweight Champion Chris Barrow on Friday. So do join the show each and every day to get your updates on what's going on in wrestling. We try to go about 30, 35 minutes on this show so we can get you all the updates that you need in a quick, easily digestible format. So do join the show. We like it. Lots of fun. And then, John. And also, I got a little word of advice for everybody today. Uh, when you order yourself some food online, make sure you know which store you're going to pick it up from. So I ordered Chipotle last night, and apparently they're doing renovations at the one that's two minutes from my house. So I ended up having to go a half hour away to the one that I ordered it from that I didn't even know I ordered it from because they had two burritos sitting there waiting for me for about an hour, which is why I started watching wrestling late last night, which is why I fell asleep during wrestling last night, and which is why I had to wake up early this morning to finish everything. So it could have all been avoided if I just checked the freaking location of where I was ordering from. You know, John, to walk a mile in your shoes sometimes, <laughs> you always have the greatest advice here. It's all advice that comes from experience, you know, each and every week. So, uh, you know, if, if something went wrong in John's life, he'll tell you how to fix it so you don't have that problem too right here every Wednesday on the Daily Wrestling News Show. All right, John, anything else in the world of wrestling you want to talk about before we get out of here today? Um, no, just looking forward to seeing if Mike Tyson's there again tonight on AEW or not. That's right. Oh, and for, by the way, for AEW, Travis and I previewed the whole show yesterday on yesterday's episode. So if you're looking for that, go listen to it there. But that's a good point. I wonder if Mike Tyson will be out there. Uh, Jim Roth has a sit-down interview with the Pinnacle. So if Tyson interrupts that, um, I, I don't know what will happen. Spare, uh, spare right hands any any which way. Jim Ross, make sure you duck. Um, for John, I am Ryan, and we will see you next time on the Daily Wrestling News Show.